I wore the same outfit four days in a row. Welcome back to another wonderful episode of To The Men Have To Be Podcast. I'm your host, Nico Williams, and this is the audio letter to the boys that will become men in the generations that follow. I'll tell you what, it is good to be back. I took a little bit of an unintentional break last week. Just some things got busy around where I was and had to take care of some things, so we took, a, took some time off. And you know what? That's okay. I really do want to try and get an episode out every week, uh, but it's okay if it doesn't happen. <laughs> I'm just learning about limits. I'm learning about margin. I'm learning that it's not a big deal if you got to take a break. Uh, I am trying to commit, like I said, to one episode per week, but you know, life, sometimes life come at you fast, and you got to let life do what it's going to do. Anyway, the question of today is you have on what do you have on uh so real quick you know it was what i did this week this past week this is kind of fun for me at least it was i did this this social experiment i wore the same outfit four days in a row okay don't worry don't worry i changed my undergarments i changed my undergarments and i put on an under t-shirt and so, but I wore the same the same outfit every day. And do you want to know what happened? Nothing. <laughs> Nobody noticed. A few people noticed. Actually, what ended the? Let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you why it ended up. I ended up doing this. So actually, my bosses, not my direct boss, but a couple of the leaders in my job, they wear the same thing every day. <laughs> for a week, uh, one one of one of the guys who does this is not very noticeable. He wears like dark colors, just it's just real basic. But one of the guys who did this two weeks in a row have worn something that's like super vibrant. It's like noticeable, so that when you see it, you notice. Like so, for two weeks in a row, I noticed that this person in particular wore the same thing twice. Uh, wore the same thing four days in a row. And then the next week, they wore the same thing. It was a different outfit, but they wore it four days in a row. And it was just like, what? <laughs> Why are you doing that? I didn't actually ask them about it, but I've heard different things. Some people around the office will say, you know, if you wear the same thing, you don't have to worry about what you're going to wear the next day, which is very true. I didn't have to worry about it. I, just, I already knew what I was going to wear. Uh, another thing that was told to me, not directly by this person, but that they wear the same thing because it cuts down on laundry. You don't have to, you know, that's four different outfits or five different outfits that you don't have to put in the laundry. And I thought, you know, that's a good point. That's a good point. But I was actually talking to another mentor of mine. and He was like, man, when you go to other countries, you notice that there's not a choice. Like people wear the same thing over and over not because they can but because they have to that was kind of eye-opening for me that was surreal you know i was even talking with some other friends i was like man i think you know the saying when you you look good you feel good i sat and i thought about that i was like why do why do we why does that 
make us feel good? Why does wearing clothes that make us look good? Why does that make us feel good? And you know what? I come to conclude this is my personal observation. This is my personal assumption. So if you feel like this is not you, then just disagree with it and it's fine. But I've come to conclude that the reason why we feel good when we look good is because we anticipate the compliments that we're going to get from the outfit that we're wearing. And that raises our, that just raises our, uh, our confidence. Like I'm, like, when you know you look good, like, oh, I know I look good. And when you go to wherever you work or you go into the function of the business or whatever, you anticipate because you know you look good. You anticipate that somebody's going to say, man, you look good. And so you look good, you feel good. That's true. That's true. And so, anyway, it just it just caused me to think about, like, man, how are we thinking? To, to the boys that will become men in the generations that follow, I want you to think about, like, how much stock are you putting into what you wear? I and and y'all, I I I work with some people that like dress really nice. I have some friends that dress really nice, and some people really enjoy wearing clothes and putting together clothes because it's like that's how God has gifted them, and He's given them creativity in the area of of clothing. I I'm, I know a lot of people, so I'm not really coming at anybody. It's not me trying to come at nobody, but it is me trying to sit back and think like, how do we dress? What, what do we do? What's our motivation for, for why we dress the way we dress? Cause I, I know when I put on something and I look good, I, I look good. And I'm sometimes <laughs> every now and then, if I put on something, I look good and not enough people saw it every now and then I'll wear it again <laughs> because I want people to look at me and say, man, Nico, you look good. What what is my motivation for what I got going? What I got on? I want people to I want people to look at me and say, now I, I, that's not everybody. I know that's not everybody. I know for a fact there's some people in this world they do not want any attention. They don't want anybody to look at what they're wearing and say, man, you look good, because that's just it causes anxiety for them or whatever. <clears throat> but I just I really do want to I want to push you to the boys that will become men. I want to push you to think about why you wear what you wear. And how you decide the clothes that you're going to buy. Are you going to buy clothes out of necessity? Or are you going to buy because you need them? Or are you going to buy clothes because, like, man, I want to look good. I want to, in comparison to everybody else, I want to be kind of in the same, uh, I don't know, area of their dress. Like, even down to social media. Social media affects the way we dress. and Because what we'll do, and this is what I did. I'll, I'll be like, man, that brother looks good, and I he's got my kind of frame. I'm mean, social media is good because it gives us ideas about how we can dress. But like, do we do it in such a way that's like, man, we wanna we wanna emulate them because we want what they have from our dress, from our wear. And um, one of my friends who was actually on the mission field, she came back and she's just like, man, one of the things that poverty that she's recognized from just being amongst extreme poverty is that poverty limits us it limits us in some deep ways that we don't experience here in the states because we don't experience that kind of poverty we don't have that kind of limitation like the fact that you have more more pairs of shoes than one that that's not limiting like you can choose not just you have multiple pairs of shoes but you have pairs of shoes that Look good and feel good. I, that's, those, those are just some things that I think about. And I'm just like, man, ah, I'm not limited 
I have choices of the clothes that I can wear. I know what outfits. I know what outfits that I'm up if I want to impress somebody. I I know which ones they are. It's really interesting too. Um, I was telling a coworker about this this idea that I was this social experiment. I was gonna wear the same thing every day for a week, and uh, she told me that her her mother was a teacher, and one day the a student came into class and her mother came or the person's mother came into class too and said hey i want you to know my child is going to be wearing the same thing every day this week because we caught him playing with some matches and we want him to experience like this is what it would be like if you had burned the house down you have this one outfit and you got to wear it every day you know it, it goes back to limitations like man you got choices of wearing different things because you are not limited by only certain things it's it's really interesting it's really interesting i i even what's also funny i wear the same thing all all week and my wife didn't even notice <laughs> i can't remember if i told her i was gonna do this or not maybe i told her i was gonna do this and so she didn't comment but my wife didn't didn't make a single comment this whole week i swear the same thing every every day now granted I did choose to wear something that was a little unassuming. It was a, a darker shirt. It was a darker shirt, so it was a little unassuming. But darker shirt, some regular jeans, some black shoes. But I, I, I'm wondering if I'm gonna do this again because it was also kind of fun. I also like doing new things. But as I begin to think about the things that I put on and and am I what is my motivation? Like I I got all these options, but am I trying to? just be unassuming in what I wear or am I trying to like get people to look at me and be like Nico Nico got style am I putting am I putting worth or valid self satisfaction or or significance in what people say about how I dress because even man when you get into doing ministry or you're in front of people you know there's this part that you have to look you got to look the part and man God God uses everything but he don't have to use the things that everybody say you he he has to use or is popular, uh, so I just I just yeah to the boys that are gonna be come in I, I want you to think about what you're wearing I want you to think about why you're wearing what you're wearing I want you to think about why you choose the clothes that you choose to buy if if you have that luxury of going out and buying things because I know a good amount of people they don't have the luxury of going out and buying things all they have is what has been given to them what hand me downs you know. So it's just those are some things to think about, and uh, kind of the verse. Now, this isn't the verse that I'm gonna uh, break down, but one of the verses that I think about uh, is Colossians, y'all. Um, Colossians three twelve and thirteen. It says, "Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience." There's this Paul in Colossians is telling. Uh, his his readers or his his audience, the church at Colossae, to put on, to put on, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Here are the things he's telling them to put on. Put on compassionate hearts. Like, really seek to love people. Have compassion. See them as God sees sees them. Put on kindness. Man, our, our, like kindness is like. It's more than nice, but it's, 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 it's kind of a form of gentleness, but with love. 
it's like gentleness that's surrounded in love, kind of like like bacon wrapped chicken. <laughs> it it's it's gentleness surrounded in love, in my opinion. Uh, there's humility. Humility. It's like man, I'm lowering myself. I'm thinking of myself less on behalf for someone else. Meekness. Like I said, it's kind of like kindness, but like it's a it's a softness. It's a soft spokenness, and then patience is like just. I'm, Choosing to bear with one another. And Paul is saying, hey, put these things on. And this is what I, I want to challenge y'all to put on. Uh, to the boys that become men, put put these things on. Put on compassionate heart. Put a, put on a compassionate heart. Put on kindness. Put on humility. Put put on meekness. Put on patience. Instead of the latest brand. Instead of, you know, making sure your, your shoes ain't got no creases in them. I, I, I get that there's... Some wisdom and being a good steward of your things, but yeah, I just, I just wanted, I wanted to take some time to just think about that as we transition into a time in the Word of God, because you know what I'm about to say. The Word of God uh, challenges us, changes us, and rearranges us. So uh, I wanna, I wanna take some time to look at a, a piece of text, a piece of scripture that I really struggle with. Y'all, it took me about a week. I came to this this text every day for about a week and was like really struggling to understand it so i'm gonna read it and i'm gonna do my best to explain it and i might be wrong on some things and that's okay because i'm on the journey so are you so here we go luke 16 luke chapter 16 verses 1 through 13 so bear with me this is what it says He being Jesus, he also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that the man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do so that when I'm removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. And the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they they may receive you into eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If, then, you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another, another's, who will give to you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot despise, you cannot serve God in money. Okay. This is a mouthful, and it's kind of confusing. Let me break it down, all right? So, bet Jesus is telling a parable to his disciples. And, you know, this, it's a, this is an interesting parable, okay? 
it's different than the rest of the parables that you're probably familiar with. Most of Jesus's parables follows a very specific pattern. There's a story and the main character is usually God. The main character usually represents God. Uh, and in this case, the main character is not God. Um, I would say he's kind of a stand-in for for man, maybe even sinful man. And Jesus is talking to his disciples about it. So check check out what happens. So this is what happens. There's a manager. And uh, his master heard that he was being dishonest. So the master the master was like, okay, you can, I'm going to... You can't work here no more because you miss you're misusing my money. So I need you to give me an account of the things that you've done. And so uh, the manager is like, "Hmm, what I'm about to do? I'm about to lose my job. I, I'm I'm not strong enough to beg, and I'm ashamed. I'm I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. What what am I do? Oh, I got a right idea. You know what? Uh, I'm gonna go to the people that owe my master money, and I'm gonna write some different things down. Like uh, one guy." He, he goes and says, how much do you owe? And he says, oh, the other guy says, I owe 100 measures of oil. And the man said, mm, sit down right quickly, 50. He cuts it in half. Then he goes to somebody else and he says, uh, uh, how much do you owe? And he says, 100 measures of wheat. And then he says, go sit down quickly and write 80. Y'all, this is the part that like really trips me up because the master... Verse 8 says the master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Okay, the reason why this is all this is kind of crazy is because this man, this ma this manager is supposed to represent like sinful man, right? And the, the master is supposed to represent God. So this is a story, ultimately a story about stewardship. So we, I think, I think the what, what we're supposed to take from it is like, man, God owns everything, and we are his stewards. We are the manager. And other texts and other parables kind of point us to this idea that what God has given to us, he expects us to use it and invest it and make it larger to maximize what he's given us. That's that's proper stewardship, not just keeping it. Uh, other, other parables tell us that it's not God doesn't. God isn't happy with us when we, he gives us a gift and we just keep it. And we don't maximize it. We don't use it. We don't invest in it. We don't take risk with it. Um, but here, same kind of principle, um, God is a master and he's given some gifts. or He's given some things to people to steward and he's been dishonest with it. And the master comes to the man, the manager, and says, look, bro, you can't be doing this. So I'm going to go ahead and take from you your position. And so I think it's this idea of like, man, if, if I kind of bridge it to the real world, this this manager is met with his life is going to kind of end. Like if, if we were to put real life into the parable and you don't ever want to read too deeply into par parables because they're going to they're going to break down at some point. But I think we're supposed to be, look at this and say, man, the things God has given us, there's going to come a day when. He's going to take them back. That's called death. <laughs> He's going to take them back. That's called death. Anyway, the thing that shocks me is this dishonest manager does what is seemingly dishonest by cutting what people owe in half or, or dropping it down. And then the master commends him for it. It'd be, it'd be one thing if Jesus is telling this story and he's like, hey, uh, this guy, dishonest manager, he didn't do this, and he's going to the leg of fire. No, 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 that's not what happens. Jesus comes and, well, not Jesus, the master. Jesus is telling the story, and he says the master comes and he says, 
he commends him. He commends this dishonest manager for his shrewdness. And then in verse 8, Jesus kind of interprets the passage. He interprets the, the parable. This is what he says in verse 8. He says, For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. What are you talking about, Jesus? It's almost like Jesus is commending the people, the, the dishonest people, the, the sons of this world. He, he commends, he says, the sons of this world are more shrewd. He makes this comparison. He looks at the sons of light, his own disciples, probably, his own disciples, people in the faith. And he says, man, the people in this world are more shrewd when it comes to their money than the people uh, of my kingdom. And then in verse 9, he says, I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Okay, here's some key words. In this verse that we got to understand if we're going to understand understand this correctly. So one of the key words or phrases that we got to understand is unrighteous wealth. What does that mean? Because ultimately I'm thinking like unrighteous wealth is like wealth gained by unrighteous means. Or wealth gains gained by like dishonesty. Kind of like the man in the passage. But if you go and you look at this in different translations, you'll see that... Um, it's the same word kind of as at the very end of the passage where it says you cannot serve God and money. They're kind of the same word, unrighteous wealth, money. It's mammon. Other other translations will translate that as to mammon. So unrighteous wealth just means money. It just means worldly goods. Okay, that's one thing. The second thing you need to understand is eternal dwellings. I immediately am like, okay, eternal dwellings is like life after death so if you put together what jesus is saying he's saying make friends for yourselves by means of money so that when it fails when money fails they may receive you into eternal dwellings okay what i i told you i was looking at this passage for a week because i didn't understand it i was looking commentaries trying to read it praying for understanding i, th I think this is what jesus is kind of coming to he's saying a Christians, you need to be shrewd. Like, you need to take a page out of, like, the world's book and, like, be wise with your money. Like, shrewd with your money. Like, invest well. Like, do what you need to do with your money well. Okay? And and this is kind of even a comment. I, I think you can make a commentary on, like, man, how sometimes Christians spiritualize things so much that they don't know what they're doing well. Like, they're not using the wisdom that God provides. Like, there is a, a sort of wisdom that we see in the world that comes from God because all truth is God's truth. So if anything is wise or anything is working in the world, it comes from God, okay? Now, we want to pair that with God's wisdom. We want to pair that with what he's, he's already taught us in his word. But Jesus is looking at the disciples, looking at the people in the kingdom, and he's like, look, I need y'all to... I need y'all to get it together, okay? People in the world are outdoing us in shrewdness with our money, and y'all need to get it together, okay? So he's saying, Jesus is saying, look, I need y'all to get it together, and you need to make friends by money. Uh, make, make, make friends for yourselves with money. In other words, some commentaries are saying, like, what you need to do is by, um, by being generous, with your money, the things that you've been given, you have opportunity to build relationship so that when your money fails you, because it will, you have opportunity. And, and some are some commentators are saying this. I don't even know. 
they might be reading this into it, but the idea is if you make friends, you build relationships with people for the sake of the gospel with money. Like you use your money to build friendships with people so that they can get saved. When your money fails you, when your money fails you, because it will, they will either receive you, they will receive you in heaven. Because like, I, I guess the idea is, man, you use your wealth, your money, you've invested it into the kingdom to make friends with people so that they get saved. And maybe they go on and they die ahead of you so that when you get to heaven, they receive you like, yo, I'm here because you because of you because of the way that you spend your money. So that was that was very interesting. It took me it took me. I told you, it took me a whole week to like really try to understand it. Now, I it's also really cool that in this same conversation, Jesus kind of sets this marker on one side and is like, hey, I need you to be shrewd with your money like the world. But then he goes on the other side and he says, you can't serve God and money. I thought that was really cool. I was like, well, obviously it's God. But Jesus is saying, hey, be shrewd with your money, but don't serve money. You need to serve God. I thought that was really like a really cool way that God puts it together. Verses 10 through 13 says, One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, same word, mammon, who will entrust you to the true riches? What is the true riches? Those are the things of God. Those are the things that the the truth that comes from uh, the from understanding scripture those the true the true riches of salvation the, the ideas that come out of being a part of god's family the fruit of the spirit true riches so who's going to trust you with true riches if you can't even uh be faithful with the unrighteous wealth with the the worldly money that you've already earned so that's something you need to think about like what you doing with your finances yeah y'all this really convicted me like i i went to candace my wife and i just because she's been handling our finances like just been killing it. i just kind of came to her and was like hey listen i'm so sorry like i need i'm I'm gonna step up i'm gonna i'm gonna help with the finances and like paying the bills like she pays she's doing a really good job of like paying the bills if i didn't if she died i i don't know if i would have electricity in a month because because that's how she's just been killing it anyway i'm i'm trying to make a commitment to step up because this passage convicted me in that sense um I don't, I don't know if I could say that I have been as faithful with knowing what my money is doing, where my money is going. Like, we've been budgeting, you know. We, like, we have a kind of a general budget set, but I haven't been, like, kind of, like, keeping a check and keeping an eye on where are, where are we heading with our money? Like, how are we intentionally moving forward towards a goal? How are we like investing in the kingdom? How are we using what God's given us to uh, make friends by means of unrighteous wealth? Anyway, that convicted me. But um, and then he says, man, if you have not been faithful in that, which is another's, which is God's, who will give you uh, that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God in money, y'all. That it just was this idea of like Jesus is saying, look, we need to be really good with our money for the sake of the kingdom. We need to be. I need y'all to look at how the world is using their money, and y'all need to be like that. And then he says, look, but God, but the money ain't God. I'm God. Your money ain't God. It belongs. All of it belongs to Him anyway. All of it has always belonged to Him. Everything that you have is a gift. <sighs> All right, yo, I'm off my soapbox. 
But I did want to kind of talk about, man, how does how does this relate to the gospel? How are we rightly motivated to live this out? Okay. What what have we seen in God? What has God done on behalf of his people that gives us the 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 that shapes our hearts in such a way that says, man, when you look back at what God has done, it gives us the motivation to follow in after his example. The answer to that question, I believe, is we look at God, at Jesus. Jesus had, he had the riches of eternity and he gave it up. He wasn't just shrewd with his money or, or his possessions or his, his wealth. He, he, he literally gave it up. He literally gave it up and became poor, born to uh, a poor mom and dad. So that what? So that we could be with the father. Like he, I, I even would say it like this. Jesus gave up his riches and he became an enemy of God in some senses so that we could have friendship with God, friendship with the father. When I say enemy with God, it's like, man, we're switching places because we would, we are enemies outside of Christ. We are enemies with Christ, with God. And then because of what Jesus does on the cross is he switches places with us. And so where we were enemies of God in our sin, now God is an enemy. For that moment, he poured out his wrath on Jesus Christ. He gave up his wealth, uh, his, his, his eternal riches, his eternal wealth, wealth took on poverty so that he could make so that we could be friends with God. Mm. Y'all, this is, this is, I think that's how we are motivated. We're rightly motivated to live this out. We're rightly motivated to be a good steward with what God has given us because we've been given a gift, first off in salvation, second off in all the things he's given us. We have, uh, we have a responsibility to be at just as shrewd if not even more shrewd with our possessions than the sons of the world. So those are some things to think about. I hope y'all enjoyed this episode and we will see y'all next time. Be blessed. Peace.